Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Letting it breathe, baby. Yeah, and it says, gotta get that in there every pod. That's a huddle up tradition. I wasn't gonna say that's not my line. That's not my line, but we are live. We're good on the Huddle Up Podcast. Again, my name is Scott Kennedy, your Broncos for Breakfast host in the evening today. Pinch hitting for I like my cross sport references, Zach. Pinch hitting for uh for Chad, who's under the weather yeah. um today. And and in with my uh my friend Zach Kelberman. And Zach, how are you doing this evening, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I, I feel like the Broncos are going to come to a decision soon on their next head coach. We can debate the merits of their candidates, but I, I like the way the tide's turning in Broncos country. A lot of happenings around the NFL. We're going to get into that, including some AFC West news that came out today. It's always Mondays, regardless of the season, offseason, postseason. They're always busy days, and we have a lot to recap today, Scott and I will. But we want to start... A little differently today before we get into the business with Tanner's very generous super, 1999 super. Thank you so much, Tanner. Always a pleasure to see you around these parts. Tanner wants to know, or Tanner just wants to show some love. About to go into work, but I'll be watching after I get off. Hashtag state of being. Hashtag Broncos for life. We appreciate you, Tanner, so, so much. Have a nice day at work. Yeah, have a good have a good evening at work and looking forward. If you uh, if you have anything up, hit us up on Twitter or anything. If you have any, yeah. any questions after the fact. Uh, I try and go back and read the comments too uh, on the shows that I'm on, and this one might be a little harder because the the huddle up is uh, is is busy. It's busy. The yeah. comments from flying in after the show. Yeah, for sure. We got Sam Bam, ten dollars super. Appreciate you, Sam. You're a fixture of this podcast for sure, and all the podcasts pretty much. I've seen you on the different shows, so we appreciate your uh, multi cross platform support. He just says uh, here, hi, go Broncos. Hope you're having a great day, Sam. I want to say hello real quick to Jason. I see Dylan, the moderator in the house. I see Jay in the house. Mike, who else we got? Shanav? Uh, Shanae? Shanav? Looks like a new name to me, Zach. New name. Welcome, Shanav. I uh, hope I'm not butchering your name too badly. We got Beto Garcia. We got John Sandoval. I just want to highlight you guys and shout some of you out real quick before we get into the matters of business for today. Hope you're having a great evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is pretty funny by Desert Creature. I saw Pat Shermer in the Cowboys game. Wow, you can score some points in the first half. Yeah, the Cowboys were very, very Broncos-like in their loss yesterday. You know, coming up unclutch, not being ready for that game at all, not being prepared, tying for an NFL playoff record, 14 penalties, falls at the the feet of the coaching, but wasn't a good look to me for Dan Quinn or Kellen Moore, but say la vie, it's what George Payton thinks, Scott, and he has interviews with them. Might as well get into it now. Interviews with them scheduled for tomorrow, Tuesday. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Yeah, I, uh, I feel the same way that I, I've said this this morning, but we've got a new crowd, so apologies if, if you're on round two. But I, I said the same thing 
that you kind of have your mind made up that you want these guys before any one game. The same way I said there's no way Vic Fangio comes back. I don't care what happens in the Kansas City Chiefs game. If George Payton is hinging his decision based on one game at the end of a 17-game season, then he's not real bright. He is bright, and that, that decision was already made. So, yes, I get it. It wasn't the best display of uh, for Kellen Moore for Dan Quinn. But if you like these guys beforehand, one game shouldn't change your mind. If you didn't want them before, then it certainly helps push you that direction a little more. Uh, but it shouldn't change your mind based on one guy, one game. I mean, I, I think the Cowboys were the 28th team to score 500 points in a season. You know, that, what has Kellen Moore done? That, 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 that's pretty, that's pretty good. You know, over the course of a season, I'll take that. Uh, Dan Quinn was a very high risk, high reward type of defense, as you know, better than I do this year, uh, Zach, and that gets real risky. It's like living and dying in the three point range. You go, you have a one cold night in the tournament trying to, and you're a three point team. You're done. You're out. You better be able to go in, in into the post and get easy baskets. So, um, a lot of people are sack dancing on the Cowboys are out and America's team is gone. Yeah, you know, I can't be hypocritical because after the Broncos-Cowboys game when everyone was kind of dumping on Kellen Moore for not being this, you know, brainchild, this big brain offensive coordinator, I said, well, judge him on his whole body of work, not just one game. I, I, I got to say the same about Dan Quinn. I, I don't want him over an offensive candidate, be it Moore, be it Nathaniel Hackett, be it Brian Callahan, uh, but you got to judge him by what he's done the entire season. You can argue he's not a head coach, material you can argue that he's more of a defensive assistant a lot like Vic Fangio but again his players play hard for him he has an aggressive scheme and I think he can make the most out of this Denver defense again I want to read you guys the interview schedule this upcoming week for the Broncos remaining candidates tomorrow in the Dallas area according to Mike Kliss it's Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore Wednesday they're interviewing Patriots inside linebacker coach Gerard Mayo in the New England area, and also Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator. On Thursday, they have Rams OC Kevin O'Connell, Cincinnati OC Brian Callahan, like I mentioned. Friday, they wrap it up with uh, Kansas City OC Eric Bieniemy. That's as of now. Things can still change. All the reports seem to indicate, Scott, that they're going into this with Dan Quinn, like you talked about, as their front runner. They had him in mind. The ties to George Payton, you know, going way back. His leadership, which Payton said was the number one quality they're looking for. It seems that Dan Quinn checks all his boxes. If As long as he doesn't blow the interview, I'm just talking from my brain, not my heart right now. I feel mm -hmm. like it's Dan Quinn's job to lose, and they can announce that decision as soon as Wednesday. So the interviews they have lined up for later in the week, they might not even matter. When it all comes down to it. Well, and Jacob Foster's been terrific all month with stars and coming in with big stars tonight. So thank I want to say thank you to Jacob uh, for the support you've shown the show. And I get to say it in person tonight. So thank you very much. Um, I, I'm not convinced Dan Quinn's the right guy. And it has nothing to do with, like I said, I, I'm not into hot takes. I'm not going to look at one game and say, all right, you know, mistakes happen. You know, we're, we're live on air. I'm going to say something stupid several times before this is over, and hopefully I'll learn from it and get better. Okay. What's the, what's the, I'm not sure that Dan Quinn necessarily is the right choice, but however, every single one of these coaching candidates to me has a big question mark next to their name. Yeah. Um, it seems like the two leaders right now are Nathaniel Hackett and Dan Quinn. And for me, their personalities are very, very similar and that's not an accident that's not a coincidence it's a total culture change in bringing in somebody that's going to come in and energize this franchise and energize these veteran players that I do like about Dan Quinn for sure I mean he he owns a room similar to Nathaniel Hackett it's just that's on the defensive side and I truly feel in his system and his scheme he can get the most out of the Broncos Pro Bowl caliber talent on defense they will force more takeaways they'll be more active they'll change more games they'll come up clutch when you need them that's what Dan Quinn brings to the table to me, he would have to nail the OC hire, whoever that may be, Mike McDaniel, maybe Mike Kafka, if they can lure him out of Kansas City somehow, or someone up and coming, maybe Luke Getze for the OC spot. But speaking of OCs, Kellen Moore, it wasn't a good showing for him either. We talked about Dan Quinn yesterday. I feel like he got too cute. That's been Kellen Moore's big Achilles heel as a play caller. He out schemes himself sometimes. He outthinks himself. Calling, which he which it was confirmed, a draw play with 11 seconds left, no timeouts, clock running. 
That wasn't on Dak Prescott. That wasn't on Mike McCarthy. That was a Kellen Moore play call, and that's a type of play call that loses you a game, and as you could see, that actually happened. So, again, not a good audition for two of the Broncos' big candidates, but might not matter when it's all said and done if Peyton loves Quinn, as they say. Let's let's roll this back to the Drew Lock. I don't remember who they were playing, honestly, but the Drew Lock he came in and ran that option read and fumbled. Um, and it was like, why, why are you even putting Drew Lock in that situation? You right. know, could Dak Prescott have gotten down sooner? Yeah, he could have. He could have gotten down sooner. Could Dak Prescott have handed the ball directly to the officiating person? Yeah, yeah he could have. Don't put him in that situation. Don't make it so he's got to count his steps and count six seconds in his head on his way down and make sure he gets it right on five or four instead of six. And you just, that's just, that was not a good decision. Again, I'm not going to say, okay, we can't have this guy because he screwed that up. People are going to screw up. They're going to get, they're going to get better. But that was a bad, that was a bad decision. That was a bad coaching decision on how that game ended without a doubt. Um, if I'm looking at the team and I say, okay, where's the blame on this on this game for the Dallas Cowboys? I thought the defense did better than the offense did. Yeah, I agree. I think the offense got out coached. So Kellen Moore to me got out coached by Kyle Shanahan because, like you mentioned, they asked Dak to do too much or they didn't put him in those situations for success. Well, they put Jimmy Garoppolo, the Niners did, in positions. They didn't ask him to win the game. They leaned on the running game. They had high percentage play calls and they willed him to a victory. That was a major upset in my book. Not because I covered the Cowboys. I thought the Cowboys would win that game fairly handily and they were taken to school by Kyle Shanahan, uh, Mike McDaniel, and company. So, you know, I agree with you. You judge a whole body of work, and Peyton may or may not have a predestined choice in mind to replace Vic Fangio. I just don't think it was a a, a nail in anyone's coffin in the, in the sense that that's, that's the reason, that's the sole reason I'm going to hire you. That convinced me. That was the selling point. If anything, I think it worked against both of them, but uh, I agree with you that Dallas's defense was a little stronger than the offense. Yeah, I mean, ironically, the person who may have helped them their stock the most is the one that didn't do anything, was sitting on a bye week. You know, that, and that's, I don't necessarily want to see somebody to just go to the top by default and Nathaniel Hackett again. I like Nathaniel Hackett's energy. I like it. It's just, to me, the two, the two words I'm going to feel the most after the, this coaching hire is culture change. You know, instead of curmudgeony, you know, arms folded, two-word press conference. Hey, can you tell us a little about the offensive line? They were good. You know, um, do you think, do you think Teddy Bridgewater had a, uh, you know, could have hit that guy? Maybe. You know, it's just suck at John Harbaugh. <laughs> <laughs> it just could have been better. Um, Miguel coming in with some stars. Appreciate you, Miguel. He says, sup, fellas. I'm with Zach. We need an offensive-minded coach. Scott made a good point on that because at least the offense would be stable as long as you have that yes. offensive head coach. So one of the phrases that, you know, one of the talking points with bringing in someone like Dan Quinn is that he has to nail the offensive coordinator. And I'm going to add on to that. Thanks, Miguel. It's not that he just has to nail the offensive coordinator because if he does, he's going to lose them. So you could be rotating offensive coordinators every single year. So you don't just have to nail the offensive coordinator position. You're probably going to have to nail it again. And then again, if you're sustaining success. Now, Bill Belichick seems to be able to do that. You lose a guy, they go out and fail. He brings him back and the system's in good shape. And he's always had the, you know, helps when you got Tom Brady as a quarterback. But Dan Quinn's downfall, aside from his general manager thinking that he's uh, the agent for a quarterback in a seven-on-seven league, was after Shanahan was gone, was his offensive coordinator hire of handing the number one offense in the league to a rookie offensive coordinator who had been a disgraced former college head coach. That was moronic, and it cost him his job. So you don't just have to nail it. You have to nail it again and again and again. If you're not, if you're not the one running that offense defense, I think it's easier to easier to be the, the old curmudgeon guys that want to be lifelong assistants. Those are defensive guys. The offensive guys always want to move up the ladder. You can argue that the offensive coordinator hire would be more important than the head coach hire. If they went with Dan Quinn, they have to get that right. I, I, the defense I think is good enough to run an autopilot with whatever coach or scheme they have the talent and they have the, just the overall 
skill level there. They don't have that on offense. They need someone to whip them and to make that that mold of clay into something special. And there's only a few coaches out there I think are capable of that. I don't think, obviously, Dan Quinn's one of them, except or unless he gets that bright offensive mind, whoever it may be. I think I read somewhere on ESPN, um, it might have been Jeremy Fowler who reported it, that Quinn has already started filling out a staff. So he has some people in mind. We just don't know who that may be. You brought up a good point, though, Scott, about how Nathaniel Hackett's stock rose this weekend without having to do anything because he was on a bye. Um, I really like, though, what the Bengals are doing or what they did to the Raiders and Brian Callahan. That's an intriguing option. I wouldn't say I'd hire him over Hackett or maybe even over Dan Quinn, but that could be the sneaky dark horse here. He has an interview coming up later this week. If he blows George Payton away, he could be the guy that no one sees coming. And you know what? Considering what's, I know it doesn't call plays in Cincinnati, but neither does Hackett. Uh, in Green Bay, but what they can do for a quarterback, what they can do for the offense, how they mold that clay, their their vision, their creative concepts, that's what the Broncos need. That's what they've long lacked. So I'm really indifferent. Whatever offensive mind they want to pluck from the pool, as long as it's an offensive mind. That's why I'm so reticent to go defense when you fail with VJ and you fail with Vic Fangio and badly. Yeah, and again, it, it would be so much more. Dan Quinn is so much different than what Vic Fangio is just polar opposite. It's like, yeah, they're both defensive coaches, but their personalities are so different that that's really the only similarity is that they're both defensive coaches. Um, again, culture change. Uh, George coming with some stars is just a thank you for your insight to the team. Denver Broncos for life. MHS, the best pot ever. Well, we appreciate it. Um, thank you, um, George. Appreciate, appreciate your support, George. We got a big time super from D Dub right now. Appreciate, yeah, big big super. We need a different hand gesture, Scott, for supers as opposed to stars. We need like one hand. <laughs> well, the supers blasters. you can see. The supers you can True. see, so you can see how big it is. It comes in colors and everything. The Facebook does not show, so you have to watch Facebook over here and then bring them up. And I have to let you know, hey, it's stars, and it's it's not just stars. It's a stars like like D Dub is coming in with here. That's an amazing show of support. Thank you so much. Uh, he goes, giving some love to the cause, looking forward to this offseason, really optimistic for some new ownership. Pat's, Pat's missing, pro. Oh, Pat Boland's missing presence has been more noticeable as of late, in my opinion. Really wish one of his kids could have held his standard standards new era rising. You know, that's a good segue, and thank you so much again. That's such an amazing, uh, gracious showing of support. We appreciate you so much. It's a good segue, Scott, because we have the Elway report to go over today for our audience. Uh, according to Mike Kliss, who I believe spoke with Elway or someone close to Elway, um, he is interested in being a part of an ownership group. Now, we don't know how serious he is. We don't know what he's putting up. We don't know how interested. We don't know who he's going in with, but... That rumored Peyton Manning versus John Elway showdown, or, you know, I got called out on Twitter for saying it was versus. However you want to phrase it, one of those owners groups, the fight to control the Broncos, I think it's it's approaching. It's not going to be a bowling kid who gets the franchise. It's looking like an outside seller right now. A deal could go down uh, sometime this spring at the owners' meetings in March or uh, maybe even early summer. You and I, Scott, kind of share a brain. We're not too gung-ho about the ownership issues and this and that, so we're keeping it uh, fairly surface level in terms of news, but that's the latest uh, from the Broncos' situation today. No, I, I think people are afraid of of the Daniel Snyders. That's the big fear. And that's the, To me, that's the exception. I mean, the rule is ownership doesn't really matter. It, it just, it really doesn't as long as the, the checks keep clearing. The one time it real, really matters is when your general manager says, Hey, I got to get rid of this guy and I need to pay off his contract. I need to, I need, I need $7 million. Can we do that? Yeah, we can do that. Uh, I, I got a chance to sign Aaron Rodgers, but he's going to need a new contract and we're going to have to sign him to a 20 million signing bonus. Can I dip in and get $20 million? Yeah, we can do that. That's when it matters. And other than that, I'm not too worried about it. One of the things that I saw on here a lot, though, uh, Zach, one of the comments was people are a little afraid of Elway right now. You know, he's he's they're like, listen, Elway's been involved. We don't want Elway anymore. We've seen Elway and we've seen the last five years. We don't like it. Um, I don't have that that worry. If I thought I think if he wanted to be involved in the day to day, he'd still be involved in the day to day. He wants to have the big title. And he wants to be heard when he speaks. And when he says owner next to it, he's, he's going to have a microphone wherever he wants it. He doesn't need to be Jerry Jones and, and, and be involved in the day-to-day -day operations. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And first of all, I want to give a shout out. He likes the beard, Sinji. Manscaped, baby. 
I promise you it works. I promise you. MHH promo code. Um, get that right now. Dave Glassman, can't you sign a coordinator to a multi-year contract? You can. But I want to make, I'll get to you one second, Dave. I want to make one point piggybacking off what you said, Scott, and what Sam Bam's saying here about Jerry Jones. You know, that's been, you know, I heard that too before I started covering the Cowboys. But if you, when you get closer to them and you kind of understand how Jerry Jones operates, he he's not as combative or intrusive or as heavy-handed as the narrative makes him out to be he is very intelligent football wise he knows what he's talking about he knows what he's doing he wants to win above all else but he lets look he threw support behind Mike McCarthy and Stephen Jones did as well and that's after a shocking playoff loss they want to win a Super Bowl and they're willing to do anything they can to make that happen but they're not a toxic environment like a I was almost going to say the R word, like a Washington football team with Daniel Snyder. They're not this this poison to the NFL. So it's one thing to have someone who's a micromanager or a bombastic personality like Jerry Jones, but that whole trope about him is a little overblown. I agree with the Daniel Snyder, but I don't think the Broncos would devolve to that level. They don't just, they don't have the history. They have a tradition of excellence. They have a tradition of winning. They're a proud franchise. Washington and last 20, 30 years really hasn't been. I I'm, want the ownership situation to be put to, put to rest so the fans can feel better about the direction of the team because some, some a huge part of the fan base feels like the ownership will dictate the Broncos season, not necessarily George Payton, the coaching, the quarterbacking. Obviously, it's important to have that person at the very top of the pyramid, but who's directly under him, which the Broncos are sorting out right now, is just as important. And I think we'll get resolutions on all those fronts in the next few months. It's exciting. I, I think it's more important, honestly, um, as far as you know, the general manager, I think, is, is the most important position in the NFL. Um and as far as uh, the the simplistic for Sam's for Sam's uh, comment here is, I don't want an owner GM. I think that's the that's the the, the scary part there is you feel like Jerry Jones is involved in all football operations. He is owner GM, president, COO of the Dallas Cowboys, and it worked really really well when he first started, and you know was able to make a trade and get a bounty of picks, and at the at the end of the. Uh, the beginning of the nineties, or I don't remember when the Herschel Walker trade was, but set them up for the next 10 years. But since then it's been, you know, that's, we're going on 25 years now. Uh, I have to do the math. I'm older than I think I am. And I'm like, it's been a while since the Cowboys have been, you know, relevant in a Super Bowl. I think it's been since the nineties. If I'm not mistaken. So um, that's what can be a little scary. It's like, I don't want my owner involved in player personnel. And all that stuff. I, I don't want that. And whether he is, Jerry Jones is definitely a better football guy than Daniel Snyder, without a doubt. Take all the other stuff out of there, without a doubt. Uh, I don't want my owner involved in that type of level either. You've got other things to do. Just make sure the money's coming in and we can go spend when we need it and hire the right football people. You know what's funny is Jerry Jones isn't even the key talent evaluator in Dallas. He There's a, a lesser-known guy in the front office with the Cowboys named Will McClay, who they just signed to a fat extension, multi-year extension. He's the one that's discovering the Micah Parsons and the Trevon Diggs of the world, the C.D. Lambs. He's the one constructing that roster. Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones are lightning rods, but Jerry behind the scenes is a humanitarian. He's a really good guy. He does a lot for the community, a lot for people. He knows what he's talking about, and he wants to win above all else. And like you said, just supply the money. It's like being a producer <laughs> of a movie, not the director, but the producer. Just come up with the cash and let the underlings do their things. Um, we, we kind of addressed this, but what Dave said, uh, can't you sign a coordinator to a multi-year contract? What are your thoughts on that, Scott? Uh, you can, but a contract's not worth the paper it's written on if you want to get out of it. So, yeah. um, the only ones that are held to contracts are the players, <laughs> the coaches, yeah. you can sign into a five-year. It just, it just changes the compensation. If you're on a five-year, half a million dollar a year contract and you're under contract with the Dallas Cowboys, you're not going to hold Kellen Moore back by say, hey, we want to hire you for this. There'll, there'll be some exchange of compensation. There might be a buyout of the contract or there's an out or whatever. But there isn't anybody in the world that has had to turn down an often, a, a head coaching job in the NFL because of a, an existing contract. 
What's interesting is they signed more to an extension like in January, last January, when he was getting head coaching interest from the Eagles and Boise State. So if there's one guy they're going to pay more money to retain or pull out the stops for, I think it would be Dan Quinn and not Kellen Moore. But shifting gears just a bit to Christos, who asked, why haven't we had interest in Brian Flores? You know, good I don't, I don't, I don't know if you can even say he's a good leader, considering his baggage behind the scenes. He was clashing with the GM Chris Greer, and Chris Greer and George Payton go way back. They're really tight general managers. Um, there's been some scuttlebutt regarding Brian Flores's coaching management, his, uh, I guess, leadership, and that's the one non-negotiable quantity to George Payton. You have to be a leader of men, and that's maybe the one blight on Brian Flores' resume. They didn't schedule an interview. They have no interest. I think Flores is going to take that job in in Houston um, anyway. So I, I think it's probably the personality is a little too similar to Vic Fangio and not a complete right. polar opposite to Vic Fangio. Right. Now, if you've got Nathaniel Hackett and all of his super positive energy and Dan Quinn and his, you know, in brotherhood, we all fight together, coming out locked arms for three or four years and it doesn't work then you're going to want a guy like Brian Flores come the second time around. But right now you want somebody that's got a, uh, uh, they're looking for a different type of personality. And Chris came in with some stars earlier. So uh, wanted to say Thank thanks you. to Chris on this as we, uh, we, we highlight this question. He says, why do we only hear the bad about Elway and not the good? You know, I've been saying that for quite a while and toward the end of Elway's GM tenure, I was not his biggest fan. I love what he was doing with the draft classes, but that that acquisition of Joe Flacco really, really soured me on his prowess and the direction he was taking the team. He kind of sort of took a chance and got it right on Drew Locke, but it was too little too late at that point. But people don't forget, the only reason the Broncos look like they have a foundation right now, George Payton deserves a ton of credit for this year, but the drafts he had in 2019, 2020, even somewhat of 2018, uh, really got this organization it, it, it should have been better. That's on coaching. That's on Elway as well. But he did a lot behind the scenes. And it goes back to 2014 when he had that all-star offseason. He brought them to two Super Bowls as a GM and won one of them. That's after winning two as a player. So he definitely wasn't the worst GM in the world, despite what Broncos country uh, wants you to think. But he kind of turned heel, it seems like, in the <laughs> fan base. I don't know why that happened. He went from legend to... Hated, yeah, and that's what everyone. That's what happens to everyone. It happened to Philip Lindsay, you know. It happened to DT, RIP, when he got, when you know, uh, the Broncos moved on from him. That's what happens in, in folklore when you have these legendary figures. It's what have you done for me lately? And Elway did not deliver a championship since 2015. They haven't been to the playoffs. People hated his coaching uh, acquisitions, which I agree. His quarterback acquisitions, which you can't really debate. And by the end of it, people were just sick of him. Go back well, to selling cars, John. We're, we're going to have to quote the Dark Knight twice in one day because, uh, you know, you either either die a hero or live long enough to be the villain. Yep. Um, and, and right now, why do we only hear the bad about the LA and not the good? Because you've had four, six, play, six years without playoffs. That, that's why. It's, it's, a, it's a down time right now. People are pissed. Uh, they're angry and they're looking for someone to blame. Uh, and you're not, you know, don't tell me about the nostalgia. I don't care about Peyton Manning right now. I don't care about 1998 and the, the Super Bowl. I don't care. Right now we stink and I'm pissed. Um, that'll get better. That'll get better. John Elway's, his, uh, his, he's secure in his long-term placement in Denver Broncos lore, even if right now things don't look real great. Yeah, we have a blessing from the queen here, Christy, hopping in. $5 super. Thank you so much, Christy. You know we love you, and we hope you're doing amazing. She says, thanks, guys. Excited about all the new that is happening with this team. I think that's fingers crossed for the best, and I'm, I'm right there with you. It feels like the tide's turning, and I have full faith, Scott, that Peyton is going to pick the right head coach for the Broncos. Even if it's not the guy that I want, like Nathaniel Hackett or an offensive mind. If he goes with Dan Quinn, I'll rally behind that. I trust his judgment, and hopefully the Broncos. At this time next year, we're talking about a playoff game, not a coaching search. Well, and Christy, I feel like this is the first time I've gotten to say thank you, uh, sort of in person, for all the support you give the show. Um, being on in the evenings, I don't feel like we've we've crossed paths yet. So thank you so much for uh, for everything that you do for, uh, for Mile High Huddle. Uh, certainly appreciate it. Love you, Christy. Thank you. We have another super Scott from the Brainstorm 499. Thank you so much. Uh, they want to know what will happen if the new head coach completes lock, lock 
and he balls out next season, will we give him a new contract? I that's a this is a slippery slope slippery slope argument if I ever saw one, Scott. If a new coach comes in and develops Locke to the point, that would presuppose the Broncos don't acquire Rodgers, Wilson, et cetera, et cetera, or draft a quarterback. A lot of dominoes would have to fall, I feel like, for Locke to get the starting job under any coaching staff. But let's play devil's advocate for one second. You would have to. I mean, you you would have to. If he if he what's balls out though? Is that four thousand yards and an eight win season? Is it four thousand yards and a ten win season? Wild card division. If you make the playoffs and Drew Locke looks like a quarterback reborn with a rookie coach, you resign him for sure. You don't break the market, reset the market, but you would have to bring him back. Agreed. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I have to do the math on seventeen games, but even four thousand yards, four thousand divided by seventeen. 4,000 yards these days is 235 yards a game. Baby steps. You know, that's, yeah. So, again, that's not even that much. Um, to play devil's advocate, to, to really do that, you know. Um, yeah, but, yeah, to answer the question, yes. If he has a successful, really good, this is our guy, you absolutely resign him. You, you offer him a new contract without a doubt. Do you? We had a question like this before. It says, do you franchise him? Hell no. You do mm-hmm. not franchise him. He doesn't go from two million to twenty-five million. No, you don't franchise him. But you could go, you know, two, three years for ten each and quadruple his money for sure as a second-round pick. Um, Zach, I, I just, I don't think as for as much as Peyton has said, and uh, I put this in the comments when y'all were talking about it. He 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 said he said everything, so he actually said nothing. George Peyton. He says, part of the interview process is, I want to find out what's your plan for Drew Locke. What is your, how are you going to get the best out of him? Okay, ears perked up around here. Uh, that that certainly rung, but then he follows up and saying, what are you going to do in the college? What are the free agent guys you're interested right. in? So if I'm coming to this, coming to this position, I'm, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm a hot candidate, Dan Quinn, Nathaniel Hackett, and I've got several options my question is absolutely going to be, what are you going to do for me at quarterback? You know, I, I can't go into this. I cannot go into this season. I cannot take over this team with Drew Locke as my only option. Can't do it, won't do it. Uh, that's realistic. So it depends. I, 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 don't, I can't see him coming. You're, you're going to upgrade the quarterback room. And if Drew Locke ends up being that guy, so be it. But that's going to be part of the conversation. And it's going to be part of the interview, the reverse interview process where the candidates are actually interviewing George Payton. Why should I take this job? It's funny you say that because in Peyton's season-ending press conference after firing Vic, he said even a defensive candidate for head coach would have to present his plan for the mm-hmm. offense. He, th- that's the number one priority. That's what led me to believe talking about leadership that Dan Quinn with a hot up-and-coming OC would fit the bill. But based on what I read, Aaron is – plan a Russ is plan b then you have the Kirk Cousins of the world the Matt Ryans of the world the Jimmy G's of the world I'm just saying that's what the Broncos might explore before or they could draft a quarterback any of those quarterbacks before giving Locke another shot so would we want to see it I think selfishly a little bit it's like a guilty pleasure at this point Drew Locke but a lot of again a lot of dominoes would have to fall and I see uh Von Miller got a sack for the Rams in tonight's oh, game against on. the Cardinals so speaking of big money free agents Andrew Baker hopping in. Leadership is key, but which candidate is the better quarterback developer? Hashtag MHH for life. Well, can you you can argue that that really I don't think that Luke Getze, despite his title, has developed Aaron Rodgers all that much. How much has Eric Bieniemy influenced Patrick Mahomes? They have Mike Kafka and Andy Reid. Kellen Bieniemy is not even the quarterbacks coach. Yeah, some of these guys, you know, they're getting more shine for their team success more than what they've done on an individual basis. I don't think, God, maybe someone like Brian Callahan or Kevin O'Connell, considering they're involved in the game planning each and every week, but so are the other coordinators. I wouldn't say one is is a better whisperer. But then again, guys, Pat Shermer was hailed as being a quarterback guru, and how did that work out? I think whoever can bring the freshest ideas to the table with the best plan and the most surest leadership will get the job, whoever that may be. Uh, Zach, I don't know, man. I, I feel like this whole developing of a quarterback thing is – it's it's overrated. It, the whole idea of it is overrated. You've it, this isn't this isn't the 1970s. This is 2022, and these guys have been playing football year round since they were 10 years old. 
and they're playing in seven on sevens in high school constantly. They're playing in super advanced offenses in college constantly. By the time they get to the NFL, they're not the finished product, but there's not a lot of developing going on at this point. Either they can get it and pick it up or you're moving on and you're getting somebody else. Having the right guy is a lot more important than having the quarterback. Every top quarterback coach we hear of, is it the chicken or the egg? Is it the is it the, the quarterback or is it the coach? At this level, it's the quarterback. Definitely agree. Uh, bearded Bronco hopping in with a, a, a subject that we wanted to touch on, Scott. We're not. We're probably going to be a little shorter than usual, guys. We're going to just take it for as long as you guys are throwing us some questions with Chad uh, down today and Scott pinch hitting. But Bearded Bronco points out that Mike Mayock got fired as the Vegas general manager today. It's weird that they would interview GM candidates with the GM still on payroll, but that's how the Raiders roll. And uh, it was inevitable after Gr- that they were tied together at the hip. Once Gruden left. It was borrowed time for Mike Mayock, and it's scary because he was actually holding them back. His roster evaluation and talent acquisition, if they get someone like Ed Dodds, the Colts executive, that can mean good things for the Raiders franchise. So this was a good move for them, as much as that pains me to say. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall and know how much influence and how much of that was Mike Mayock. Um, I I actually worked, uh, when I was in LA, I did a a couple of years with NFL network as a guest draft analyst and got to work a little bit with all of those guys. And I thought Mayock was easily, now this is a low bar, <laughs> uh, including myself. Um, I thought Mayock was easily the best talent evaluator of that bunch. However, actually stepping up and making those picks is, is different and, and formulating a team and having it mesh all together with personalities is different. Um, you know, how much of that was, was Gruden and how much of it was Mayock? I felt like in this case, Gruden was the boss. He hired Mayock to, okay, you do what I tell you, almost like an assistant general manager. But um, yeah, he was he was on borrowed time as well. Yeah, and like I said, whoever they hire, um, they have a couple candidates right now uh, is going to make them a better team. I, I kind of feel like Lewis Riddick, the ESPN analyst, I th- he was an executive, I, I think for the Giants. Uh, he should get some general manager um, interest, but we'll see how they go there. We wanted to t- touch on that real quick. I saw, appreciate you, Travis. He goes, evening, fellas, watching the show, DB for life. I saw a really, thank you, Travis, Michaela hopping in here, as she always does. You are the best, Michaela. Thank you so much. The Duchess being doing Duchess things. I am still rooting for Hackett, she says. Something about him I really like. He is infectious. Yeah, that's what drew me to him. I saw his coaching style. I saw the way players, even someone like Aaron Rodgers, who's, I wouldn't say an outwardly person, you know, outward personality. I think he's a little more of an introvert than people think he is. And he got him raving about Nathaniel Hackett. And you just love the, like you mentioned energy, and that's the number one thing. I talk leadership, quarterback developing, but when you have two years of Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio, and by extension, Tom McMahon, and then this year, Teddy Bridgewater, who's a carbon copy personality-wise of Fangio, it's the stalest, most sterile environment, like a hospital at night, just nothing going on, no sounds, no life, nothing to it. That's what Nathaniel Hackett would bring to the table. Dan Quinn as well. He's He owns the defensive room when he walks in like Hackett does with the offense. So we played the video of Hackett going over a basic five-step drop, and he was about to have a... What's the word I'm looking for, Chad? <laughs> Scott, excuse me. I was going to say climax, but we'll hop past that point because that's what happened. It's just... that's the He loves football. It, it was a Ted Lasso moment, Zach. Yes. Yes. It was, it was, you know, come over here. We're going to be over here. We're going to pick it up, but we want to do this. And it was, it was fun. My goodness. This is it brings him it's not physical. Fun. We're doing something wrong. Physical pleasure to go over a five-step drop. I want that guy <laughs> who's reciting stepbrothers with his assistant coach. I want that guy coaching the Broncos. But if George Payton thinks Dan Quinn is the better choice and with his leadership and energy and, and moxie, then I'll support that as well. But I'm with you, Michaela. I'm rooting for Hackett and some team if not the Broncos, would get a really good coach, I believe, if they hired him. And, and thank you so much, Michaela. Yeah. I, I feel like I have been able to say thank you to you in person, uh, but just in case I hadn't, and we'll do so again, thank you so much for everything you do for the show. It's certainly 
goes uh, well received behind the scenes when I'm in the back. And this is my chance again to say thank you to all of you on the, the, the evening shows that I don't necessarily get to see all the time. So appreciate you having me and uh, love doing this with Zach. We have a good time. Yeah, I want to give Albert some love. Uh, he's a big, big, as goes back a long way, big time supporter of the pro- of the program, the show, the brand, Albert Knoppers. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, Hackett and Drew would be a good fit. Yeah, I, that's the type of coach that would directly appeal to Locke's personality. And I'm not advocating to hire Nathaniel Hackett specifically for Drew Locke, but he's under contract. He might end up with a starting opportunity. And if you're going to have a coach developing him, that would be the guy. It's just a guy you connect with, not just on the field, but off the field. That's why Rich Scangarello was a much better mesh with Drew Locke. That's why he went 4-1, and one. and that's why you can argue he's regressed under the wing of Pat Shermer for two years. Um, someone like Mike McDaniel, too, though, if they hire Dan Quinn and you, just any younger, brighter, more energetic mind to go along with someone like Locke who raps on the sideline, he's full of life, full of energy, Hackett and Drew would be a good time in Denver. They would have fun together. It, it would have been hard to find somebody that's a worse fit than what he had in right. Denver. Drew Locke may not sure. have been anything more than he is somewhere else, but he certainly wasn't going to be his best, the best version of himself under the on, under Fangio and Shermer. That's for sure. Didn't take me long to figure that out. The one, Zach, I think I, I told you this behind the scenes, the one that got it for me was, you know, I, I said, I feel stupid sometimes talking about Fangio like he's a child, but he acts very childish sometimes. You know, he's a decade and a half older than I am, and he acts like a kid. What's the birthday thing? You know, so, oh, it's Teddy Bridgewater's birthday. I wish him a happy birthday. And someone goes, oh, yeah, it was. it's true Locke's birthday too. How about that? And Vic was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> Next. Like, Dude, that's, that's teenage girl stuff. Yeah. God, Lord. So. I can't, I, Scott, I can't recall the last time I saw an NFL head coach so publicly and openly despise one it's of his dang. quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're not eye to eye on Drew Locke on a lot of things, but this one, this one was pretty easy to see. You referenced our personalities. Uh, Dave goes, FYI, I was referencing that if I remember correctly. This was the second Zach and Scott show. Love the pairing of personalities. I think it's our third, if I remember correctly. I think so, too. And, uh, it may, be, may become a little bit more of a regular thing. We'll have yeah. to talk to, to chat about that because I think it's okay with, with us if it's okay with y'all. Yeah, you know, despite the, what the popular belief is, I'm pretty easy to work with. And I think Scott can vouch for that. But I see Michaela hopping back in here. Thank you so much, Michaela. Hackett plus lock equals love. Hackett plus Locke would equal like John Boland on a Denver Friday night, you know, just going crazy, just Chad Kelly on a Halloween party. It would get a little worrisome considering their balls of life and how alike they are. It would be like uh, the stepbrothers meeting for the first time. Activities constantly. I would love to see it, but we'll see with George Payton, how he the feels. Quarter, I, th- I Honestly, I think, I, I think a lot of y'all re- are reaching on this big time. You're so... You've seen such bad quarterback play the last couple of years that, you know, just watching these playoff teams, the offense and the quarterback play is just light years ahead. The winning playoff teams, it's just light years ahead. I just think Hackett coming in, Hackett's not coming in unless he's got some, unless he's, he's got a plan for, for a quarterback to come in and probably be the guy. I just, I don't see it happen. Appreciate you, Sebastian, for throwing up some stars. Are they worthy of the flash guy? Well, I haven't or... gotten that far. I'm still waiting okay. to hit this one from Jacob, okay. who comes in multiple times. And then you, coming Jacob. right underneath Jacob was Phil. And then I'll uh, I'll, you, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll give uh, Sebastian a shout-out, too, because I don't recognize that name. Sebastian feels like a new name to me. Uh, and Phil coming in says, thanks for a great show. I'm praying that Peyton isn't pulling an Elway. These interviews better not be for show, and his mind is already made up. I don't think you schedule 10 eight-hour interviews and fly to Green Bay. You know, if you're going to fly somewhere, fly to Los Angeles and, and fly to Miami. Uh, go go someplace in the winter and and interview somebody where it's going to be uh, a little bit more fun. You're not you're not going to Green Bay for show. Um, you might go to you might go down to Miami and LA for show, but uh, you know it, it's a waste of your time if if you're not serious about this. Now he may have a favorite. We all do. I talk about bias all the time. We all have our biases, and a previous relationship could bias that in this favor one way or another. But 
you try and recognize those biases and say, okay, I'm going to turn off the Dan Quinn switch and I'm going to pretend I don't have Dan Quinn as an option. I better go. Who's, who's the guy? Who's the guy? Who's the one that's going to blow me away. I'm going to go make that search. You don't go on 10, eight hour interviews unless you're serious about taking a look at all these candidates. And I feel like if it was like Dan Quinn and nine other Jonathan Gannons, it'd be obvious that Dan Quinn's his pick, but it's Dan Quinn and the brightest offensive minds around the NFL. I mean, he picked offensive coordinators from the best teams in the league. It's the best man for the job. So I believe he cast a wide net. He might, you know, everyone is biased in some way, Scott. That's mm-hmm. human. That's what makes us who we are. Exactly. It's it's mm-hmm. undeniable. So if he has a proclivity toward George, toward uh, uh, Dan Quinn, excuse me, then he might have that. But if someone comes in and wows George Payton, then that's going to be the, the man for the job. And I saw someone mention that uh, Ellis was the one who impacted Elway's coaching search. It might be the case for when they wanted to bring back Mike Shanahan, but they went in that 2017 coaching search with one name in mind, regardless, and that was Vance. Elway wanted VJ. It, doesn't, it didn't matter what Kyle how he interviewed didn't matter how Ellis stepped in. He wanted Vance. So at least we know that Peyton based on what we know is not swayed like that. I don't think there's a predestined choice in mind. The best candidate will get the gig. And Lawrence coming in with some stars saying, why is everything so secret with Peyton? Why can't he be straightforward with fans? He says one thing and does another. Sorry. It's kind of controversial question. I'm just curious. You're probably going to say what I'm going to say. So I'll let you have a stab at it. I don't. Th- I don't think he's he's like that though. I think what he says, what he does, and based. It's only been one year of Peyton. This is the first. It's all a bunch of firsts. We saw the first season. We saw for player acquisitions. His first draft, free agency. Now we're seeing his first coaching search. And so far, you know, he wanted a leader, and the reports have indicated that Dan Quinn is his preferred option. So that would be following his words, actions. But he's not. He's not saying that because he's in competition with. 32 other 31 other teams. I'm not going to go say, boy, we really want a running back in this class. Now the guy in front of me takes the running back that I wanted. You may it's misdirection. Part of being a general manager is talent acquisition through free agency, through draft, through coaching hires. It is playing your strong suit to the other agents on your team. Cause you've got a budget to keep and you might want to sign a guy to lower. So you can go sign this other guy. Being a general manager is playing poker. It is absolutely being at a poker table and coming out and telling everybody what you're going to do would be stupid. Yes. And he's not stupid. I was going to say, if you telegraph everything, that's bad messaging. And that's another point of the job, uh, Scott, that you were going to bring up. PR, how you deal with the media, how you deal with the narratives that you control. You know, he who creates the news controls the news. And that's been George Payton's MO from day one in the building in Dove Valley. So it's GM speak. I think that's what we were going for there, Scott. We were going to say, you got to have to play the game. You have to finesse the public. You can't give away your secrets. He plays everything close to the vest, but I don't think he's intentionally deceitful. I don't think he's a liar. I don't think he's doing anything to spite the fan base or spite the media. I think he's doing what's best for the Broncos. That's all I can ask. No, I've said forever, you know, coaches lie so much. They don't call it lying. They call it coach speak. You know, you go and I see it just talking about in college. Yeah, we're playing little sister Mary to the poor and they've got a really good team coming up. Really going to be a challenge. No, it's not, you know, but it's being respectful to the other team. And, you know, that, GMs are the same way. They, that's more of a, a poker. I mean, seriously, it's it's they're they're playing poker every single day with agents, with players, with other other general managers are on the phone. It's just it's it's all very deceitful and it's by design. Makes it fun. <laughs> it's innocently deceitful, if that's a thing. That's that's what general managing is in the NFL. Uh, but we have Dennis hopping in, $2 super. Thank you so much, Dennis. He goes, wishing a quick recovery for Chad. Get well, friend. Very much appreciated, Dennis. We'll make sure he knows about that. I don't know if he's watching right now, but uh, I'll be sure to let him know that you reached out with your showing of support, and I'm sure that'll make him happy. Uh, you know, and I like shouting out the, the ladies of MHH. They carry the show, frankly. So, Kathleen, thank you. Thank you thank very you. much. Scott can co-host any day. So we have another one for the for the Zach Scott ticket. Zach oh, Scott 2024. I did see look at the queen. This is what you just mentioned. I this is that, what you're talking about. This that's is what I'm talking about. The example. ladies of MHH carry this show. You are the best, Christy. Thank you so much. We love you so much. Keeping the lights on, guys. She says, I think Hackett is a good option. Maybe he can make something out of Drew. That's or any quarterback. 
you know, I, I, I'm not hiring this next head coach to develop Locke specifically. I just want a coach that can de- develop a quarterback, whether that's Drew, Aaron, Kenny Pickett. I, I don't really care who it is. It's time, though, for the main guy under the big headset to be of the offensive mind and bring the Broncos into 2022. It's been far too long. Yeah, forget the name Drew Locke. I don't, it doesn't matter. You're not handing over a $5 billion franchise to a guy so he can get the best out of your second round pick. That's, right. that's insane. Maybe he can get something out of lock. Wouldn't that be a bonus? Drew exactly. Cheap. He's on the con. He's exactly. under contract already. That would be awesome. But you, again, you're not bringing in a guy who can get that. That's not your main question. Who can get the best out of Drew Lock? Mm, no, that that's not why you're hiring a guy to be in charge of a, a multi-billion-dollar company. Uh, is is for your for for Drew Lock? Anything that he can do with Drew Lock would be gravy. It would be so. It would be oh man, that everything you could do. Again, instead of dropping $30 million, $40 million in a free agent quarterback, I could go spend that money and build a team around the quarterback I already have. Whew. Yeah, that'd be tantalizing. Absolutely. You, you could argue the higher wouldn't be about getting the most out of Drew Locke. It would be Drew Locke getting the most about the, out of the Broncos and the, and the new head coach. Anything you would get out of Drew, I, I fully would agree with you here, Scott, would be the cherry on top. If he if he pans out, great. If not, oh well, he's cheap. He's under contract for one more year, and we'll have an alternative. So I'm not making this higher for Drew Locke, but if you hire an offensive mind like anyone we talked about, it would definitely be a, a benefit for number three. But Randy hopping in here. Hey, guys. Appreciate you, Randy. Hope you're having a great night. Hoping Peyton keeps up with the search, Randy says. But I agree with others that we need an offensive coach VJ and Vic were failures, big time failures, categorical fail- failures, because they set the Broncos back multiple years, in my opinion. They had, and then Vic doubling down, him being so gruff and tumble and ornery and get off my lawnish, but then doubling down by firing the young up and coming OC who had his blemishes as well, and bringing in Pat Shermer, which, like you said, was the worst coach you could have brought in for Drew Locke, but they didn't care. Because they traded for Teddy, they gave Teddy the job, and that's what happened. So, I said this before, I'll say it again. If anything, Elway and Peyton and Ellis and all who were involved in the Broncos hiring contingent, they owe the fan base, if nothing else, a shot with an offensive mind. They just, they have to. They have to give it a shot in current NFL trends. Yeah, I I didn't used to really care offense defense doesn't just the right guy for the job again there's there's enough there's a <laughs> Diego came in earlier he said he, he bare I he said I heard Scott once uh the great white say I, I got one with the bare hands I am terrified of sharks dude I, I, I'm actually a scuba diver I will not scuba dive in cold water because that's where the great whites are I've only done uh done tropical so no I have nightmares about great whites they scare me I'm not even getting on a boat near a great white um, see, you got me talking about great whites. Oh, the, the, the offense versus defense. I think in the first year you bring in, if this is your window, we want to go for this this year. I, I think again, Dan Quinn could be your guy goes and makes a right hire coming in. You go and you make a good run, but now look what he did with the quarterback came in and melded that offense that Shermer really was terrible. Now you're losing your offensive coordinator to a head coaching job. That's what happens to good offensive coordinators. Now you got to do it again. I, I uh, couldn't. And, you know, it's just like a batting average. How often are you going to get the right guy on offense? And the disruption to the team and all that type of stuff can be, can be problematic. So that's why I like the idea of an offensive guy. But if I think I've got the roster now and I can go get the quarterback now, I think Dan Quinn would be a great hire. Uh, if I'm more interested in, okay, we're, we're, we're looking to build this thing in two, three years. That might not be by my, might not be my guy. I couldn't help but picture Roadhouse in my head when I'm thinking about you kicking a great white in the face. It's a good movie. Anyone who hasn't seen it, but Lawrence hopping in here, but be asks, nice. Anyone want to roundhouse him in the face, <laughs> but be nice roundhouse. Anyone want to guess how, how much Vikings we bring over this off season? I'm going to say two more. I don't have uh, off the top of my head like the Vikings free agents for 2022, but I know that Kirk Cousins, his future is up in the air after firing Spielman and Zimmer. That would be 
a big time fallback. I don't think that George Payton is going to plumb those gallows for $45 million in a cap figure for Kirk Cousins. He would be, I, I believe, a massive upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. It's not saying much. I think you would too, Scott, but $45 million. I'm paying Patrick Mahomes that, or maybe Aaron Rodgers in his prime. I'm not paying Kirk Cousins that money. So he would be the biggest guy. I think. His base salary is $35 million, because that's what you have to look at when you're talking about bringing somebody in. The cap hit is the dead cap hit especially is what is it how hard would it get be to get away how much is it going to hurt that team financially to pull him away and and Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins are about equal on that they're about 40 million dollars but Kirk Cousins salary is 35 million next year um and and his dead cap number is at 40 i believe so if they get rid of him they got a huge dead cap number now the falcons have a huge dead cap number if they get rid of Matt Ryan but his base salary is only 16 so if you're getting Matt Ryan from the Falcons, you say, yeah, we'll pick up the tab. Will we pay $16 million for Matt Ryan? Yeah, that's pretty good value for, uh, for a team coming in. I don't know how I feel about that. You know, Dan Quinn and Matt Ryan, potentially, it's just no, setting I'm the Broncos saying, back, I feel is, like. Is, Matt, is Kirk Cousins worth $35 million? Hell no. Is no, Matt Ryan definitely. worth sixteen? million? Yeah. So that's just, I'm not saying I want him and Dan Quinn and Matt Ryan. I'm just, he is. Matt Ryan's worth $16 million. He's not worth the 40 that the Falcons are, you know, on the hook for. All well, right. We gotta, All right. I'm, I'm, I'm scared of the dark. I'm scared of great whites. I don't know where you guys are getting this. <laughs> I'm going to start calling you Scott Norris. You have your own like legend growing, but I'm looking over the Vikings 2022 free agents real quick. Anthony Barr outside linebacker. He doesn't do much for me. I feel like he's a two down player. Patrick Peterson. He's going to be too expensive. You have cornerbacks. Sheldon Richardson is maybe an interior pocket pusher, but you do have Draymond Jones and you signed Mike Purcell. I don't know how much Sheldon could bring to the table. Uh, Xavier Woods pass at safety. Uh, they, they don't really have anyone to me looking over this, you know, Everson Griffin, who I feel like is on the back nine of his career. I, I don't think... Um, Everson Griffin has problems beyond football right now. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Sean Manning and quarterback pass, you know, players like Wayne Gallman pass, D.D. Westbrook. They don't really have anyone who jumps out to me. Uh, Tyler Conklin, the tight end, he oh, would be... I thought Wayne Gallman was still with the Falcons. I don't know. He must have been trying to click something else. Zach did. Uh, Wayne Gallman is a a running back. He's a a backup running back. Played with the Giants in 2020. You know, I've been doing this for quite a while, and I knew one of these days I'm going to hit the X in the tab when I'm going over to another tab, and it finally happened tonight. So I didn't mean to cut you off about Wayne Gallman. I thought he was still with the Giants, but that's you know, just... he, he played with the Giants last year. He because uh, he's from Grayson High School, which is a Georgia school not too far from me in Gwinnett County. So I've kept a close eye on him, and he ended up signing with the Falcons and played a little bit. Um, I guess I, I don't remember him even being dismissed. He was kind of a meh guy with the with the Falcons, so I didn't even know he was up in Minnesota. The, you talk about the Vikings and Broncos. I, I think the Falcons – and there's this thing going on, Zach, with the Falcons-Broncos this year. It seems like there's a lot of a lot of synergy going on right up to the point where we're drafting eight and nine back-to-back – uh, this year, and and I'm ready. I'm ready to send Cordero Patterson over to the Broncos, um, and and what a great fit he would be, even for just Deontay Spencer, for God's sakes, as a return man. But what a wild card! You're losing Melvin Gordon, bringing in Cordero Patterson, give half of of uh, Melvin Gordon's touches to Javante Williams, and give the other half to Cordero Patterson. Oof. That'd be tantalizing, man. If I'm the Falcons, I'm not letting Cordero Patterson go anywhere though. What a revelation. I'm resigning him. I mean, I, I know they can. If he's you probably can. they're broke. That's just, so they're, they're they? paying. They're paying their guys off with Chick Fil A coupons right now. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I'm not crazy about the Vikings free agent list. And you bring up a good point, Scott. I feel like the next pipeline to Denver would be from the next head coach, wherever he comes from, either Green Bay or uh, Dallas or Atlanta with Quinn's ties. So I, I wouldn't get too hung up on Minnesota. I feel like whoever Peyton wanted to import, he imported. Uh, this past year, but we're going to take a few more questions. It's kind of slowing down right now. Do you have any questions, comments, concerns? Lob them into the chat. We'll try to get to them. We have about four more minutes, so we appreciate you hopping in. Uh, We touched on on Jim Harbaugh, didn't we? Uh, I don't think we did. I don't think we did. Um, Oh, we did Mike Mayock. Okay. Yeah, we did yeah. Mike Mayock, but but Harbaugh, I I just figured, I I looked it up. I I think Brian Kelly, Notre Dame head coach, got a nine-year, $90 million contract to go to LSU. 
Um, that's what Jim Harbaugh's agent saw and starts floating around, you know, this, but the, you know, that being said, who the hell wants to coach college football right now? I mean, the transfer portal, you know, they talk about, you know, Oh, it's almost like these guys are on, uh, you know, it's a, it's a one-year deal. Well, it, it's always been a one-year deal. It's just always been a one-year deal in favor of the college, the, the, the colleges scholarships are one deal one year and not only can i cut you take you off scholarship you're then not allowed to play for anybody else for another year that's how unfair that used to be so it's always been like that now it's just becoming more fair so you have to recruit pain in the butt you have to re-recruit because guys are getting have guys in the ear the whole time uh or you can make you know a couple extra million dollars and just coach football let somebody else deal with the personnel that sounds pretty good to me dog yeah I supposedly Jim Harbaugh is leaning toward going back to Michigan, probably with a bigger contract. But if he were, he's still hemming and hawing. It sounds like uh, based on reports and the Vegas job, the head coaching job there, and maybe personnel control in Vegas that they don't have a GM. Now that would appeal to him or the giants job. Apparently he's eyeing as well, but we'll see. Tabitha, thank you for the stars. Yeah. Again, like I said, the ladies of MHH carry this pod. I, I don't know, Zach. And it, it started for me really with Dan Reeves. You know, Dan Reeves was a hell of a football coach. And he got himself run out of three jobs. May he rest in peace, too. Yeah. I think he was our first loss of the year, January 1st. Woke up to that on, on New Year's Day. Um, great football coach. But he wanted to be general manager, too, and lost three jobs because of it. I just... Um, who was the original Holmgren was one of those guys that, that, that acted like that a lot left green Bay. So he could go do that in Seattle failed miserably. It's a different, it's a different skill set for one, but it's also a conflict of interest. I don't want the guy who has to call the plays and coach these guys being the same one that's negotiating their contracts and rubber stamping all of that stuff. You want deniability with that. It's like, listen, I got problems with my contract. Now, that's not my problem. You go talk to your agent, your general manager. My problem right now is you're lazy. You know, you want you you want separation of those type of things. But like I said, he could come in and you always have input as the coach. Absolutely. You'll have input. Come in and get rid of all the recruiting BS um, and, and go take over the Raiders job. That looks that start looks starting to look pretty appealing, honestly. Yeah, supposedly he's not the easiest guy to work for or around. Like he's super hyped up all the time, and I feel like he's, uh, you know, <laughs> he can be a micromanager. That would appeal to someone like Vegas if they got along with John Gruden. That environment, I feel like Jim Harbaugh and John Gruden are cut from the same cloth. I wanted to give Jacob Foster a little shout for his stars. Appreciate you, Jacob. I think though, Scott, that's unless we missed any supers or Facebook stars. I don't think we did. Uh one thing, and then I'll I'll uh, turn it loose on on this yeah. one right here, uh, is Jeffrey, uh, Arellano. That doesn't look Spanish. Normally, it's like Arellano. That one's that one's tough. Um, Doing your Arellano. best chat impression right now. Worth a first round pick. Um, Nick and I will go back and forth on this one a lot. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, game changers don't have positional value. Now, if you miss on one, it becomes tough. Kyle Hamilton, I think, is the best player in this draft, and he could go as high as high as he wants to. Um, Nicobe Dean, the University of Georgia yeah, linebacker. That's my guy. If you have Dan Quinn, one of the questions, and I heard listening to y'all a lot, Zach, is you know where's the accountability? Where's the leadership? Where are your leaders on the field? Nicobe Dean will grab. I don't care who it is. It's Shelby Harris, who's twice the size, or Patrick Sertan by the back of the neck, and throw his ass into the right position. Is a three-year graduate in engineering degree from the University of Georgia and a national champion middle linebacker. He's the real deal. We're talking about culture change and leadership. Man, you plug him in at middle linebacker and you're set for the next 10 years yeah. and he makes everybody around him better. I, I'm a huge N'Kobe Dean fan. Yeah, I was listening to you and Nick, I believe it was, on um, uh, Broncos for Breakfast, and you laid out the the uh, the case for Dean, and I'm right there with you. They need some injection of uh, talent, leadership, ability, and, and youth in that linebacking core. It doesn't look like Bradley Chubb is working out. They can't get by on the Malik Reeds of the world. They have Jonathan Cooper, great. He might not be a long-term starting candidate, but you need that game changer and someone like you said, Scott, to give the defense an identity. And if you get N'Kobe Dean, uh, you're, like you said, set for a decade, regardless of scheme, whether it's a 3-4-4-3, three, four, four, three, he, can, he can thrive. You know, more. he's more ideal for one than the other, but I think he's one of those uh, 
I don't want to say transcendent players, but really, really I mean, safe pick in this year's good draft. Good enough. He's smart enough. And doggone it, people like him know. But seriously, he's a, he's a football player. He he play it put him it's scheme independent. What what do you want him to do? Exactly. That's, that's, what, that's, that's what he means. Like, what do you need me to do? I don't know if he can play it. What do you need me to do? I'll go do it. I'll put my hand in the dirt and go in the in the rubber pellets and, and go rush quarterback. Exactly. I'll drop back and play safety. And before we get out of here, he's not I, Micah Parsons, Rose but I coming in late. The closer Jose. The closer <laughs> saying, not sure if this was mentioned, but I hope George Payton makes some serious moves for this OL. Some good but very inconsistent in 2021. MHH for life. Thanks, guys. Thank uh, one of the questions we've had a lot is, you know, what do you prioritize in this draft? Right tackle, edge. I think yes. those are your two highest needs for premium positions. And I think you're going to have a pretty good choice of either of those positions in this draft. You could even go cornerback or you reach a little bit or maybe even trade down for a guy like Dean. But, uh, yeah, I, I think if I've got one question for George Payton – was did you exhaust all options knowing you had a ton of salary cap available to upgrade your right tackle position before the season? Um, I don't think you need to go through another season. Um, you, you need an upgrade there for sure. And then I think you need to bring in some more competition for your interior line through the draft as well. Yeah, I was going to say it might be a little too rich for the Broncos blood, but they can upgrade left guard for sure. You can argue center as well, but if not an edge guy or a linebacker, I'm for sure. That's the comment I was going to make, A. Rose. you got to look at your right tackle. You can't keep plugging in the Jared Veldiers and the, the Bobby Masseys of the world. You need a long-term guy you can develop, and that'll be with you at a high level for 10 years or so. So yeah, if they don't go linebacker, I would definitely look for a right tackle if they could find one. I was going to make the point about Dean. He might not be on Micah Parsons level, but like how you laid it out, whatever you need him to do, rush the passer, drop back in coverage, sideline to sideline, good leader on top of that. You can depend on him. Just a lunch pail type of guy. I'd be very happy with yeah, that. There break. aren't many guys on a physical level with Micah Parsons, but again, for me, it's what else is Dean going to do for you that Micah won't as far as getting everybody pre-snap ready and being that leader on the field? Micah's a guy, you know, plug and play and, and let him go. He's not the one I think you're you're turning towards for, hey, what do we do? You know, and, and pointing out and, you know, he's the one you hear about, man, they were calling out plays before we ran them. That's N'Kobe Dean. Like, he's running here, he's running here, he's running here. That's N'Kobe yeah. Dean. So on that note, uh, we'll say goodnight to Phil. He says, good show, guys. Best wishes for Chad, and have a good night. Um, I think we're about ready to get out of here, Zach. Yep. If, uh, appreciate you hopping in with us guys tonight on a little bit of a substitute teacher kind of day with Scott filling in for Chad. Always love uh, co-hosting with Scott. We make for a good pairing, I think, and a good show. But follow us on Twitter until we see you guys next, which will be Wednesday night, hopefully, with Chad back in the saddle if he's feeling up to it. Uh, at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile Huddle. You can follow Scott on Twitter, as you can see, at Scout Kennedy. You can follow me on Twitter at Kelberman NFL. If you haven't, guys, go to huddleuppod.com. And if you want, get yourself a comfortable hoodie. Get yourself a hat like I'm wearing. Scott, we got to get you some Huddle Up Pod gear, man. I, I do this every time. I've got Broncos for breakfast nah, all over the nah. place. This ain't the morning. This is the nightcap, baby. No, huddleuppod.com and get your merch right now, guys. More coming soon. I promise you that. Also, facebook.com slash Huddle. Hit that big blue button. We have a new episode of Kelberman's Corner coming Sunday at noon Mountain Time. Also, Broncos book and Trickle Zone each and every week. And facebook.com slash Pod. Like that page and follow that page. If you haven't, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win. Could be a hoodie, could be a hat, could be a beanie each and every single month. But if you can't do those things, please do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. Helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. With that, Scott, any parting thoughts? Now, if you haven't seen enough of me today on the morning show and evening show, we'll be back tomorrow morning with Nick. Broncos for breakfast at 7.30 Mountain Time. Check it out, guys. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.